Welcome to Innovators Unleashed, where we explore the minds of groundbreaking thinkers and creative problem solvers. Your host, innovation expert, Clinton Henry, will dive deep into the world of innovation and digital transformation, engaging with thought leaders from around the globe. Here's your host, Clinton Henry. Today, we're talking with innovation expert, Bruno Pasek. Bruno hails from Oslo, Norway, and is very active within the Norwegian startup ecosystem. He co-founded the Norwegian Lean Startup Circle, which is Norway's largest lean startup community. An engineer by training, he brings a uniquely analytical perspective to innovation. I'm so excited that you're here. One of the things that I love about your approach, aside from your passion for innovation, is your focus on innovation as a profit center. When I meet with customers, one of the things I'm always looking to bring up is tracking ROI, return on innovation. From your perspective, how can organizations innovate profitably? Well, first, Clinton, so happy to be here and uh, share more on that topic with you. Uh, And, uh, you know, unfortunately, I have similar observations as you when I come to organizations and they start talking about uh, innovation. It's often perceived as something that's, uh, you know, attractive, almost like a PR exercise uh, first and then value generating exercise uh, second. And when it comes to returns on innovation, what we have to accept or at least recognize is it. If you look at innovation as a core uh, capacity or a process, it is fundamentally uncertain. That's what it is. Otherwise, it wouldn't be innovative. Then it would just be execution or delivery of something that's very well known. So we have to accept this uncertainty. But accepting that uncertainty does not mean that we relinquish our uh, how to how to express that we relinquish our responsibility to conduct this process responsibly. What I mean by that is, uh, even though the final outcome is uncertain to some extent, how we select ideas, how we develop ideas, how we develop business, how we test those ideas, how we run experiments, how we invest in those ideas. Oh man, all of that we are in control of. So we can control inputs into the innovation process. And that is how we can contribute to potential profitability of any idea or any investment in innovation. That's great. So so let me ask you this, because I think it it tees it up very nicely. Why do large companies rarely see return on their innovation investments? Where's the gap? Yeah, so the gap usually in uh, taking ideas that will ultimately not be profitable or will be very little profitable taking them too far. Uh, What I mean by that, uh, we usually suffer from something called sunk cost fallacy. So we have been investing in this specific team or this specific division. Uh, We've been running it for three years. You know, another year. Maybe something comes around the corner. Well, the problem is you have both the cost of continuing to invest in that specific uh, unprofitable idea, division, whatever, and you have the opportunity cost. So by giving them one more year, it's not just that you're paying the operational expenses, uh, capital expenditure, whatever else you need to invest, but you're also incurring an invisible opportunity cost, which is basically what these talented people could have been doing instead 
for a whole year. Another thing is that often happens and why returns on uh, investing innovation suffer a lot is especially when we go into larger organizations, there is sometimes um, lack of understanding of how big an opportunity has to be to even make sense. And what I mean by that is, let me give you an example. So there was a big company in Europe, uh, Innovation Labs, everything, very good process. And they had an innovation team that was working on a specific idea for three years. Uh, what they achieved was 40 million euros in annual recurring revenue. That would be brilliant for any startup. But for that company, if, if it wasn't in a billion euro range, it's not even a blip on the radar. So ultimately, that team could have been used for something that would have actually made a difference for that specific organization. So every organization must understand its own context before understanding, okay, is this idea valuable for us or if it isn't valuable for us? Ah, really interesting. Uh, you know, we always talk about like a lot of organizations talk about incremental improvement and wanting to innovate there. And, you know, the focus should be on, on scaling up for 10x improvement you want exponential improvement not incremental improvement right that's where the innovation that's where the investment should be because you have yeah. to get that return yeah yes perfect. so what i would also say what's very important so i agree with you 10x 100x unicorns that's kind of what everybody wants but this isn't black or white this is not a binary decision i like to present this as continuum so Yes, you want to capture those 10Xs, 100Xs, whatever comes your way. But in order to build capacity to actually uh, exploit those opportunities, to, to really grab them, you need to be doing that incremental innovation all the time. So imagine, you know, one day you wake up and you decide, you know, I want to lift 200 kilos. Uh, you cannot just go to the gym and, and put on the weights and start lifting them. You will probably injure yourself. You need to be going to the gym maybe for months or years to slowly build up the strength necessary to lift those 200 kilos safely. And a similar thing happens with innovation capabilities. I mean, it's a skill set or rather a family of skills that need developing and nurturing. You cannot just go out and, and hire an expert or a consulting firm or just steal employees from another company and tell them, you know, hey, we just identified a massive opportunity to go grab it. That's usually a recipe. I will not say disaster, but it is not a recipe for profitable innovation, unfortunately. <laughs> exactly. Thank you. That's great. So you distinguish between doing and managing innovation. Can you tell us more about why the why and the how behind that idea? Absolutely. I'd love to. So uh, when we talk about having an idea, and developing that idea into a new product or service or business model, uh, that is something I call doing innovation. So you have an innovator or you have an entrepreneur and they have this brilliant idea and they start turning it and transforming it into business. Now, when we start going into established organizations, especially larger organizations that have multiple business units, multiple product lines, multiple PL centers, they have another big issue, and that is how to do innovation at scale. How do I actually, if I have 100 innovators, how do I establish processes uh, that will enable these innovators to come up with the relevant ideas, 
filter them through our strategy process, get appropriate funding, get appropriate attention within an organization, and how then, as an organization, are we going to be able to monitor and decide on these ideas, innovators, and projects. That is why I say it's important to distinguish between doing and managing innovation, because they are fundamentally different problem sets. And that problems become managing innovation problems become more and more uh, noticeable the the larger the organization is but frankly those problems aren't so felt in entrepreneurial spaces or in startup spaces why because startups usually have one strategy they, they don't have strategy for getting toilet paper or getting vendors or that stuff they have one strategy which is basically both business and product strategy but the moment are going into larger established organizations you will find multiple sometimes even competing strategies so it is a real problem how to actually orchestrate manage assign funds follow up with people within an established organization how does that land with you and you were explaining uh, yeah it, it complete, uh, 100% totally agree it's really interesting so i th i think you actually this is one of the reasons that executives fear innovation, right? And you've said that in your writings that executives often fear innovation. Can you elaborate on that and, and yes. why that is? Absolutely. And uh, here I'm using a bit of a strong word that executives don't like hearing. And uh, you already implied, like in the connections you made, uh, it's already implied, but uh, let, let me make it explicit. So as I mentioned in the beginning, innovation, or which for the purposes of... Uh, our conversation, I consider innovation to be uh, creating something new that creates value. New not to the history of mankind, but new for your customers or clients and new to the organization. And value must be bidirectional. So it must be valuable both for uh, the customer, but also valuable for the organization. And as I said, innovation is fundamentally uncertain. So even when we do everything right, this idea might still not be promising. It may still not be a success in the market. So we have to accept it. Now, when we go at the executive level, uh, these people are very talented and are rewarded for their performance. So investing in something that is doesn't even have to be out there, but that carries significant risk of potentially not uh, coming to anything, not just not coming to anything, but in damaging their reputation, their standing and their face. So there's this uh, human side or ego side that we cannot ignore. It's not organizations that innovate. Organizations are dead entities. It is people like Bruna and Clinton and the listeners that have ideas and that bring them to life. So we cannot ignore the human nature when we're talking about innovation in large enterprises. And these fears are very humane. Even if sometimes we can provide numbers that, hey, you should not be afraid of that. Our brains aren't wired that way. If I tell you there's 1% or 0.5% that something will fail, your brain cannot distinguish between 1%, 10%, and, you know, 100%. Okay, maybe between 10 and 100, we have better natural <laughs> grasp. But, but between 1% and 10%, it's like, I mean, why would I go for that if I can go for something that's, in my mind, 100% success? So there's this set of fears that basically preventing them and I don't want to say forcing them, but encourages them to play defensively. 
Yeah, it, it, it's you know a lot of times we're dealing with customers, and the your your biggest opponent is is not the is not the competition. It's it's the it's the desire to do nothing and just inertia, right? And uh, I always see that that we're, we're we're constantly trying to let customers know. Listen, uh, doing nothing is not a viable business strategy because everyone around you is trying to innovate, and if uh, and if you don't innovate. They will innovate you out of the marketplace. So very, very interesting stuff. What are some of the biggest mistakes and in innovation that you've seen? So before answering that, Clinton, I just want to uh, <laughs> uh, you express this so nicely. Uh, inertia. Uh, I, I express that uh, much more um, clumsily. So, so I, I completely agree with you. And what I often uh, say is uh, number one reason for companies failing with innovation is incompetence and not external competition. And here I do not mean incompetence as an insult because somehow the word incompetence became an insult, but really everybody is incompetent and in something because it's just few things that we we become competent in life, things that we, you know, invest in, develop our skills, etc. But like, I'm an incompetent cook. I mean, I can make <laughs> That are edible, but you know, I I wouldn't serve them to you, Clinton, unless you were starving. And you know, I I don't take that as an insult when people tell me, "Oh, Bruno, like you're a bad cook." But when it comes to innovation, if you tell people in companies, ah, "I mean, you're not that good at innovation process," they will take it as insult. But the reality is, if you were better at understanding what's happening in the market, in understanding customer behaviors, their desired outcomes, in developing product faster than the rest of the people, you would have been in a better place. And they take that as like horrible insult. But the beautiful upside of that is like, hey, all of these are opportunities to improve your skills and capabilities. But... Back to the ego story and back to your question about mistakes. Uh, I could talk about uh, innovation mistakes for, for way too long, but let me focus on uh, one fundamental one that, that really, if, if you do not solve this, th there is no conversation to be had. And that is when people, especially in companies, thoughts with ideas. Thought is unfinished. You can't do anything with thought. If I wake up and say, like, ah, what if ice cream could be a square block that I could just print? That's, that's not an idea. That's a thought. It's unfinished. I would need to sit down, think a little bit more about, okay, who is this for? What is it actually about? What would be the benefit? I don't need to answer how it could be feasibly done, but just, just flesh it out a bit. Then I have an idea that I can actually analyze and filter and prioritize or develop further. Why do I make an idea? Well, to give you an example. So in one big company, they were holding a two-day ideaton, basically a big event where you get a bunch of employees and you ask them to come up with a bunch of ideas. And at the end of it, they gathered around 80 ideas, which the innovation team took and started to analyze. The problem was that they took every idea at a face value, like treated it like an idea. What that meant was that they spent several days for every contribution. But the reality was that around 30 of those were not ideas. They were just a thought. Basically something when, when you shower and you just, you know, it just comes to your mind and you just say it and, <laughs> and that's it. You just say it hanging up in the air. 
especially for corporates and organization it's important to distinguish between these unfinished thoughts and ideas because if clinton comes to me and has this unfinished thought then i can help clinton crystallize it into an idea but before that it doesn't make sense for me to seriously analyze and consider and evaluate that it's just a waste of time and this is a very small thing but remember again in organizations we are talking about dealing with potentially ideas so imagine prioritizing thousands of thoughts and then realizing oh wait we cannot actually do anything with any of those you'll never get that time back uh it's it's really interesting and, and i think the delineation between thoughts and ideas is, is a very important one and and one that you know thankfully you've written a decent amount on uh you know one of the things that you know i'm really excited about about having you on is, is people get your insights but obviously we're going to end this interview shortly where can people go to read your writing and to find out more about you and, and what you're doing uh currently uh Clinton, uh, I'm sure, or rather, dear listeners, Clinton has all my contact information, everything, reach out to him, he'll be happy to hook you up. In the meantime, you can find me on the PESEC.no. Uh, everything I share about today, plus much, much more, uh, I make it freely available. Uh, I like to say I had the good fortune of having access to very good education, some very smart people in life who meant me uh, develop as a person and i made a commitment to make whatever i know available out there so you will find all the resources all the topics i talk about you will be able to find them on my website uh no strings attached no tricks no hidden payment gates or anything like that yeah bruno is one of the few people out there who's incredibly intelligent but also truly altruistic which which is which is which is a wonderful combination so so bruno thanks so Thank much you. for yeah thanks so much for coming on the show i really appreciate it i think i, I learned a lot today i know that our, our listeners learned a lot today too and uh, we really appreciate your time thanks again that's it for today's episode of innovators unleashed don't forget to subscribe leave a review and share the podcast with others Follow your host on social media at The Clinton Henry or visit him on the web at www.clintonhenry.com. Until next time.